passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me previewing Michigan's Big Ten championship game against Purdue. Second straight trip to Indianapolis for the Wolverines. Purdue's first trip, and obviously they're only an hour away, so so exciting time for the Boilermakers. And, and the Wolverines trying to capture a second straight Big Ten title after going 17 years without one. It should be a really fun atmosphere. A whole bunch of our staff will be down there. Obviously, myself, Alejandro, and then Sam and Josh Newkirk. Uh, it's going to be going to be a lot of fun. I know I went last year, and it's it's really cool to see you know Indianapolis, great downtown for hosting big events like this. So if you are down there, be on the lookout for us, I suppose. But uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about the keys to this game. Lots of preview content over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. And Steve, I think, you know, we, we can talk about the keys for the offense in a moment, but I think the, the big thing we have to address first is Blake Corum, according to multiple reports, is going to undergo season-ending knee surgery. I don't think this was implausible, before this came out, but it is surprising. You know, I think I think Michigan had kind of come out and said that, that Corm didn't have anything structurally wrong with his knee. He was healthy enough that he at least thought he might play against Ohio State, right? Because he dressed, he was in full uniform. He took two carries, uh, and it clearly just wasn't happening for him. And then earlier this week, when he was named Big Ten Running Back of the Year, you know, he he was asked on Big Ten Network about the injury and if he was going to play. And he, he kind of said day by day, it didn't sound like he was going to play this weekend, but I don't think even he was necessarily under the impression that he would be out for the season in that scenario. So it's so a tough blow for him because he was, he was actually pretty close to setting some single season records for the Wolverines. Probably, probably wasn't going to get to the yardage after missing the Ohio state game, but uh, you know, he was just under 1500 yards. He had 19 total touchdowns. So incredible season, named Big Ten running back of the year. I expect he'll be named to a decent amount of the first-team All-Americans. I know Pro Football Focus already has him as a first-team All-American. And Steve, I was just doing this video with with uh, our, our HQ, you know, our video team, and I came up with this thought. I, I don't think the ceiling is that much lower for Michigan. Donovan Edwards at his best, J.J. McCarthy at his, at his best. They combined for six touchdowns against Ohio State last week and, and more than 500 yards but I do think what Corum was able to bring was the floor was higher the you know the offense was stable he was the guy throughout the season when Edwards was inconsistent when the passing game was inconsistent when the offensive line was inconsistent Corum I felt like was the guy that kind of kept things moving you know it kept drives at least serviceably productive I still think Michigan can accomplish a lot without Blake Corum, but I do think that things have a, it's more plausible that things kind of fall off the rails offensively without Corum there kind of as that steadying force. I mean, he was, he was the thunder back and the lightning back. He was both, you know, the proverbial, there's usually a, a big guy who gets the first downs, gets the tough yards. And then there's the other guy who makes the explosive plays. I think an incredible stat is that Blake Corum is top 
five in the country in both runs of 20 yards or more and in first downs. That to me is someone who can produce in a number of different ways and keep you as an offense moving snap to snap. So that's my take. What, what is your take on, on the impact of Blake Corum being out for the season with a knee injury? Yeah. Him being out, not so much about this weekend, more about, uh, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I guess, <clears throat> I guess right now I, I'm looking at if Michigan was to meet up with, with Georgia, uh, I think Michigan could, could beat say the top four stayed the same and Michigan met up with TCU. Uh, I do believe Michigan could defeat TCU without Blake Corum. Just, I think, you know, a team like Georgia, that's where I think, you know, it becomes a little bit of a different situation. Uh, I think maybe it was even your tweet. I think Michigan had a very high floor with Corum at running back. Uh, The two things I think about, though, in a positive light, one, and it's not so much about the two long runs last Saturday. Uh, I, I think just in general, since in the last, like, outside of the games he was gone, but like uh, against Penn State, especially maybe, uh, Edwards is just starting to look like a more developed running back. Seems like he's seeing the holes, but like he just looks a lot more Yeah, I can agree with that. Right? I I think there's been a steady progression just in his his ability to run the football. I don't really know how else to put it, you know. And uh, so I think there, there is that, you know, Michigan's offensive line, created is has is going to keep creating holes in a, in a lot of instances you know and I think he you know obviously Edwards health becomes paramount now but also you know we we talked about it after last Saturday is you know can that be a springboard for McCarthy in the passing game and if it is I think that might may alleviate a little bit of what Michigan has to do in the running game, not alleviated all the way. And we know Michigan is going to be a run first smash mouth type team, but having that ability and having a quarterback who can make those plays uh, just is naturally going to lessen the pressure you put on your, on your backs and on your guys up front to constantly, you know, mash for three, four or five yards. So you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. This isn't like a, a death blow or anything for Michigan necessarily, but at the same time, he, yeah, he's their best. He's been their best player this season. You can't understate. I mean, it does say a lot about Michigan that we are still saying. You know, we we obviously expect them to win this Saturday. Like I said, I would expect them to be. I don't know what the Vegas line would be. I would still think Michigan would probably be at least a touchdown favorite against TCU on a neutral field. Uh, the fact that they still have a a decent looking path to a national championship game without their best player, I do think says a lot about the depth that they've created. Uh, I mean, heck, you could say the same thing about them not having Eric. I mean, Eric Hall was somebody we were talking about as an All American heading into the year. You know, and they have a freshman tight end making a one of the bigger plays of the game last Saturday. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, can't understate. That, that loss, particularly from the more the thunder than the lightning standpoint for Corum. Uh, you know, he is a he's a fall forward back. He really did kind of fulfill the Hassan Haskins role uh, when we weren't sure we would see somebody do what Haskins did. But but his ability to maneuver and and yeah, he led the country in 20 plus yard runs. But I think it's more those those first downs are are probably more important than those long runs for Michigan. But I mean, maybe even more important though, honestly, those five, six, seven yard runs on first down, you know, and and can Michigan still get that from Edwards or whoever, you know, whether maybe Stokes, uh, you know, and that, like I said, that's where the yin and the yang of maybe having a little bit more of a passing game keeps that as a bigger possibility because defenses won't be so hyper-focused on stopping Michigan uh, from running the football. Right, right. I, I think I think this puts more pressure. If Michigan is operating its game plan in the most optimal way, I think this puts more pressure on J.J. McCarthy and Michigan's 
receivers and tight ends than it, than it should Donovan Edwards. He obviously will need to step up. You know, his his final stat line against Ohio State was was fantastic. It was incredible. But before those long carries, he had 44 yards on 18 carries. Now, I think Ohio State, it's pretty clear. It was pretty clear in the moment, even more clear rewatching. They were obviously trying to stop the run, uh, you know, really kind of almost selling out. And, and they got beat with that game plan. But at the same time, you know, I, I think Edwards is capable of being everything Blake Corum was. We just haven't seen it eight straight games. I mean, I, I, I go back to that. In eight games Blake Corum played against the Big Ten this year, because I'm not counting the two carries against Ohio State, he had more than 100 yards. He was the only Big Ten running back in the this year who exceeded 1,000 rushing yards, and he had almost 1,500 and 5.5 yards per carry. And he had 5.9 yards per carry. I mean, I think the, as you mentioned, he doesn't have like the crazy, like never dropped for a loss stat that Hassan Haskins had, but he was very good about turning a three yard carry into a six yard carry. And that makes such a big difference. So Edwards is going to have to be effective in that sense. But I also think, especially, I mean, Purdue, not as good statistically on defense as Ohio State was but they're top 40 in run defense and yards per carry allowed. They're outside the top 70 in yards per pass attempt allowed. This is a, a team that I don't want to say they're like bad in coverage because they're playing in the big 10 championship game, but they're not, this is not a lockdown cornerback kind of defense where Michigan won't be able to throw the ball. So I think the biggest key is, I mean, kind of like it is every week, but, but perhaps even more so because of the Blake Corum news is getting the ball to your tight ends, getting the ball kind of in the short range. I, the big plays, Michigan showed, when the big plays are there, they can hit them. But I think in order to wear a team down, to have consistently effective drives, you know, I think this is a this is a game where Michigan's first and second downs are going to have to be more passes. It's going to have to be more, let's do a, a five-yard in and just move the ball forward. To, to set up maybe what I would call an unpredictable third down. Because I think any defense, when when they know if it's going to be run or pass, uh, that makes their life a lot easier. Steve, Purdue is not a team I think you or I watched consistently during the season. They weren't on Michigan's schedule. They're not in Michigan's division. But anything else jump out to you as a, as a major key for Michigan's offense in this matchup? I mean, one thing I will say about Purdue, just to just to – cue you up a little bit they very much impress me in how hard they hit like they are not a team that is i guess soft you know or bad at tackling or or gonna tackle too high or going with just their arms to try to bring you down i mean they're a team you know, jeff brome is uh you can probably google some videos of of him <laughs> he's a pretty intense guy and i think i think it, that especially works on defense you know i think a lot of people look at the passing game as kind of the identity of Purdue, but but I've always found their defense, really even back to that 2017 game, they tackle with intent. And so I think I think that's also something to keep in mind about Purdue's defense is just, you know, you're not going to bowl over them right away. Like you're going to have to bring that same level of physicality the entire game. What, what stands out to you as a key for Michigan's offense this week? Uh, <clears throat> I think it's just, I think it's simple. I think it's just avoid the mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Street fight between the whistles. That's my favorite Jeff Brome uh, clip. I don't know if it's something. That's right. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't remember if that was in the, that or the old, uh, he wasn't even coaching the XFL clip or whatever. The one where he's like, am I breathing? Is it nice outside? Like where he's like going back in after he'd just gotten destroyed, like the play before or something. Uh, yeah. He's quite a character. Props to of getting out of the mess. That was the Big Ten West. That's the biggest reason. I probably know less about Purdue than any other team in the conference because I, I think for a while they were – they could watch them a little bit against Penn State. They started I mean, one and two, right? Well, they so, they had Penn State on the ropes, so I feel like that was a game they kind of gave yep. away, actually. So um, I think they had something similar against Syracuse, I want to say. Sure. You know, so so I mean, one and losses, two, but they've they've won seven of nine since. Yep. And they're – yeah, those are not – slouch teams to lose to either obviously Penn State's quietly eighth in the country uh right now so 
No, I think it's just kind of stick stick to what's been working. I, I think it's avoid the, the mistakes. I think turnovers turnovers are what lose you games like this if you're Michigan, right? I think Michigan's more they're more talented. They're playing better. They have way more on the line. I mean, I understand there's a Big Ten championship on the line, but Michigan has seeding, playoff seeding on the line. I don't think you want to lose and risk dropping to four, right? Because I think you got to agree. I think Michigan's in no matter what, right? I, there's no scenario where they, even if they, yeah, lose, they, they would have, have to get, get like obliterated, right? To yeah. even be considered. So, you know, I think with playoff seeding, I think there's just the stakes are really, really high for Michigan. And, you want to uh, avoid Georgia in round one is kind of big what time. Yeah, you, if yeah. you're going to play Georgia, you want it to be for all, for everything. So, um, yeah, I think it really comes down to just those those classic tropes um, that create upsets: so turnovers, penalties, another one too. You know, and and keep Donovan Edwards healthy. You know, I think maybe one other thing is with Corum out, opportunity for somebody else to maybe step up and it, regardless of the role, you know, it's, it's Roman Wilson's been relatively quiet where we've AJ Henning, you know, uh, you know, cause we expect Edwards will, will produce if given the opportunity, but will they be able to utilize him as much in the passing game with him as, you know, being as important? I mean, did he, did he, I don't think they use him at all, you know, against Ohio state in the passing game. I mean, he's wearing a freaking past, but either way, you know, the, the, how they utilize Edwards becomes way more important knowing you're not going to have Blake Corum. So, you know, might be a, an opportunity for another player to step up. And like I said, could be any variety of guys in a different role. does not mean it has to be a running back, uh, you know, just a, can they can, somebody else that maybe can give them another wrinkle, uh, you know, heading into the playoffs. Yep. I think, I think those are all, really good ideas i mean it's just funny like we talk about the get get this receiver involved and then it's like they don't and and uh they they keep winning right so it's you know whatever they're doing is working but i agree i think there's a lot of untapped potential in this past game even after last week i think there's isn't still, that crazy yeah like that's because you're you're spot on it's just it is interesting though to think like you know roman wilson didn't do much andrew anthony barely played uh, AJ Henning really, you know, and these guys are like guys that we've seen do some really great things for Michigan on the field. So yeah, it, it, that's, what's always so uh, amazing about the last two seasons in particular is that it feels like, you know, when they keep talk, talking about meat on the bone, it still feels like there's a ton of meat on the bone, even after what they did. I mean, didn't Harbaugh kind of imply that though, when he said they, that they didn't really dig as deep into their bag of tricks or, or into their bag as they needed to or or what they were ready to use against Ohio State didn't he kind of say something like that earlier this week so yeah I think uh, I will say like because I saw that was on our on our board and fans were having fun with it I I one I think it's true but two I kind of think that's like the classic thing you say after you do a trick play in a game that you win you know because obviously your playbook's going to go deeper than the 50 60 maybe 70 plays you're going to run in a game so um but I will say I think last week they had to take risks, of course, and and to Michigan's credit, they all worked. I don't know that that's a game that you totally like, you know, dust off the pages of your playbook just because it's on the road. And if a play blows up, you know, if a play that hasn't been working in practice, for example, like every single time, if it if it blows up, you know, the momentum is is tougher there than it will be in the Big Ten championship. Ohio State is extremely talented. I think they're more talented than Purdue, and I certain that the that the stakes and the pressure that Michigan's players felt uh was higher last week than it will be this week. I think one thing Michigan, if I'm pontificating on <laughs> what what they could do just just to make sure that they get out to an early, if not a lead, a you know, they're they're comfortable early. I, I think you do have to just be aggressive throwing the ball. P- Purdue has 31 penalties in coverage this year which is extremely high i think illinois technically is a, is a little bit higher and they're very good but i think in purdue's case i think sometimes they just get they have some bad habits that they can get caught on here and there and then they have 41 missed tackles in coverage which is a lot just for coverage uh you know that's almost a a 20 clip for the boilermakers so i think 
you throw the ball, it's it's kind of it's kind of like putting the ball in play in baseball. Sometimes things happen, and Purdue not not mistake immune in in the past game. All right, Steve, let's do a couple of these over unders. Uh, these come from our good friend Neil. By the way, we haven't been updating the score. I'm 59 for 101. You're 48 for 101. You actually beat me last week, four out of six to three out of six. But uh, it does feel like my lead is winning the weeks that matter. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's let's start with this offense. 3.5 pass plays of 20 yards or more allowed. I'm I'm going to assume this is just this includes yards after catch, not 20 air yards. But we did see Michigan open up a little bit that pass game. And and I think, you know, one thing that you and I talked about in the podcast on, on Sunday feels like that can be a springboard for someone like JJ McCarthy. First year starter was kind of asked to take not a backseat role, but a, a tamp down role to maybe what he was dreaming about as a kid, but also this spring when he's, you know, spending uh, his free time, you know, throwing passes to all of his receivers. I'm sure he's envisioning, averaging more than 200 passing yards per game. Uh, and then you finally get to see it come together against Ohio State. Feel like he's got to be walking into the Big Ten championship game as confident as he's ever been in himself and in this offense, even with Coram's injury. So without, I'm going to check what Purdue gives up in terms of big plays in a second. I'm actually taking the over this on this one already. I think, I think he really feels very comfortable with this offense. And then I also think you have to factor in, it's going to be in a dome. It's going to be a climate-controlled environment. It's going to be a friendlier atmosphere. I think you factor all that in, plus what's going on with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. It's it's crazy. Like He ends up being pitched as this guy who's, who's fully healthy. I mean, he's still battling uh, through pain as well. So I'm actually taking the over on this one. I do think this is quietly a very good indicator of how Michigan's offense is performing against Purdue is, is those doesn't have to be 75 yard touchdowns, but, but the chunk plays in the passing game against the Boilermakers 3.5 pass plays of 20 yards or more. Your thoughts. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going over on this one too. I, and this one I thought was kind of easy just because I, I, I do think the key, the door has been a little bit unlocked or, or the door is, Slightly more ajar now for Michigan in the passing game. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think they're in a position now where I think you want to showcase the passing game as much as possible. To, like I said, to hit, I think now we're Michigan in a position, like you said, Donovan Edwards isn't even 100% uh, to take a little bit of the pressure off the running game. I think that's in Michigan's best interest now. Not because it, not to try to change identities or anything, but just, yeah, just because your, your, your best back isn't a hundred percent, you have a true freshman behind him. And then, you know, I don't know. It seems like a hodgepodge behind him, whether it's gash or Dunlap or even Mullins. So, you know, I, I think it's in Michigan's best interest to throw the ball a little bit more. And so I'm going to go with the over. Purdue is 92nd nationally allowing 42 pass plays of 20 yards or more this season. All right, next over under 2.5 players with at least 40 receiving yards. I I think it's going to be over again. I I think you know, I think the one thing that that will be interesting is if you actually break down who it's going to be, it's a little bit tougher to predict just because it, it does feel like there's certain players who have been had their ups and downs this season, but I think Cornelius Johnson is coming off of what has to be a tremendous confidence boosting game. I think um, Ronnie Bell is someone who I would probably count on him getting to 40 receiving yards in just about every game. And then I think either Luke Schoonmaker is a little bit healthier this week than last week because I know he had like the shoulder, not a brace, but a compression deal on his shoulder. And then Colson Loveland, I think another guy got to got his first touchdown, got his first you know play of that size. And and really, I thought was pretty consistently open. I, I I don't know about you, Steve. I remember that there was that one touchdown, or could have been a touchdown. I think he JJ McCarthy threw an incompletion, but Loveland once again open, kind of heading toward that corner of the end zone. Feel like that's that's a play we're going to see him run a lot over the next couple of years. So I'm going to take the over, and I think if I'm looking at Purdue's defense, not a good 
not good linebacker coverage, not very good safety coverage either. Uh, I, I think, I don't know if it's going to be three wide receivers, but I do think it will be three players just because you talk about the tight ends. You talk about someone like Donovan Edwards, hypothetically could get to 40 yards on, on one play really with his playmaking ability. I think I saw six of his 13 touchdowns are on like plays of 60 yards or more. Uh, just, just incredible. Uh, the, the, the different plays he's able to make. So I'm taking the over on this three. I think at least three players get at least 40 receiving yards. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to agree. Just, I think, yeah, I think the first, these first two over-unders go sort of hand, I think hand in hand, right? Um, Loveland's been open like the last three weeks. I mean, how many plays was he open against Illinois? Difference was McCarthy hit him against Ohio State. I mean, he could have had two touchdowns against Illinois as open as he was. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that looks like he's going to keep ascending and getting opportunities. So, yeah, I'll go with the over. <clears throat> you know, yeah, Purdue. I just think it's kind of weird when a team that throws the ball so much and so well has a bad pass defense. Might be kind of a nearsighted comment, but, like, it's like, what do you think you – you're you're practicing against it uh, all day, every day. You think that you'd be a little more effective in limiting the big plays, but uh, I, I guess not if you're Purdue. So um, even more so thinking now, the more I think about it is like the Big Ten West is not chock full of big passing teams either. They so, are not. Yeah, it makes that stat. I think it's just Nebraska and Purdue. Right? It's not I mean, Iowa, not Wisconsin. Not Minnesota. Illinois is is healthy at the pass game. They're kind of like a Michigan where I think they'd prefer to run, but they DeVito, I mean, he showed against Michigan he can make plays. But yeah. uh you're right. I mean, in terms of the the other teams Purdue has faced this year, Penn State got three hundred and eight passing yards. Maryland had three hundred and fifteen. I mean, those are numbers that Ohio State was giving up to those teams, which sure. I guess is ironically a compliment to Purdue, but but regardless, uh, against Nebraska, it was 354 yards and 12.2 yards per attempt. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. don't you think, like, don't you think about that? <laughs> think about that, though. Like, think about that Nebraska number. Don't you think, like, Michigan should be able to do that, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just said this, that Michigan's got the offensive line. They have the talent. It's just kind of fascinating to me to think about that, um, but that they, they really haven't had uh, that explosive of a passing individual game yet as a team so either way though for this one i'm, I'm gonna go with the over yeah i think there'll be a few guys that you know i think the chunk plays will be a little there a little bit more than normal yep all right last offensive over under 3.5 different michigan players score a touchdown i think i'm gonna take the under this one feels like i should say the over because logically i don't know if there's someone who's gonna score three touchdowns in this game but i'm f- predicting four different players to score a touchdown in a title game like this is, is very, I would say it's on the bold side. So I'm going to take the under on this one. Cause, cause Purdue, I mean, we talk about their past defense. I mean, it, this is not some schmuck defense that can't do anything right. I mean, this is an effective defense that has, has hung around in a lot of games this season. So I'm going to take the under, but with Corum out, I do think the odds that this is an over, increases i feel like michigan was very comfortable just kind of giving it to quorum time and again now i think different players are going to have to be kind of their red zone producers so steve 3.5 different players score a touchdown what do you think uh i'm gonna go with the over and only it's because of the last thing you said if blake quorum was playing it would be it would be the under uh but i think it'll be the over here uh just because yeah michigan's got to spread the wealth a little bit more you know if the passing game is dynamic as is going to be as dynamic as we're predicting it to be, I think you'd see maybe see a couple different guys in the end zone. Kind of hard, like wonder. He's like, do you think Michigan if they score thirty five, let's say theoretically, that's five touchdowns. You know, one guy has two touchdowns. You have three. Uh, you know, simple math or whatever. With them. you know, Michigan could easily score thirty five or forty two in a game like this. I feel like uh, you know, and I think the the chances that it's four different guys when you're getting to like the forties. I think are pretty high with, with no Blake Corum. So I'm going to go with the over. All right. With that, we're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about the keys for Michigan's defense and what they can do to contain this Boilermakers pass game. This is the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car like a legendary camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive you can count on your new camry to get anywhere you need to go and with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, we, are, we kind of alluded to it in the first half of this show, but Purdue, pretty aggressive passing offense. I, I think it's not quite as efficient as it was last season. Last year, they averaged 8.5 yards per pass attempt. This year, it's... It's 6.8, I believe. So definitely not as efficient, not as effective. But but Aiden O'Connell, experienced quarterback, he's thrown for almost 7,000 yards the last two seasons. They added Charlie Jones, a pretty dynamic receiver. Wouldn't know it from his Iowa career, but obviously Purdue brought out the best in him, and he's got 12 touchdowns and, and 1,200 yards receiving on this season. Uh, Payne Durham. Pretty pretty darn good tight end, and and that's something Michigan hasn't faced a ton of, I guess top notch tight ends lately. I mean Sam Laporta had a great game, but but really since then I don't think that's something that Michigan's had to deal with consistently. Um, and then I think they have a lot of other receivers who are who are kind of like what I would describe as like an AJ Henning type, where not only are you a slot, but you're you're catching the pass in the backfield and making plays. Um, so Steve. Biggest key for you for Michigan's defense this week? Probably, yeah, probably slow Jones down, right? I mean, by the way, is there a bigger indictment on Iowa offensively than seeing a guy like Jones go, what, he has almost 100 catches and almost 1,200 yards? Like, yeah. You, I mean, like, Keegan Johnson guy that, entered the transfer portal today. It's like, of course he would. Right. Why would you, well, you know, Mich- So Michigan, Michigan inquired on Jones because of his – ability on special teams but he was betting on himself as a wide receiver and of course I mean obviously it paid off in a huge way for him you know but it's like I was looking just for the hell of it was looking I mean he had 21 catches for 323 yards last year for Iowa 97 catches for 1200 yards and 12 touchdowns this year meanwhile I was beating teams with like only defensive touchdowns uh, just, man, I mean, if you're an Iowa fan, you got to be, when you watch their offense, you got to be shaking your head seeing a guy you let walk out the door have such a huge season. But I got to think it's slow him down. You know, he's 90, what, 97 catches? That's 
what, eight, nine a game? Like, you know, so they're going to try to feed him the ball. Same time, though, I, it's it's still going to be – I don't know, if, like, what is Purdue going to probably dink and dunk? I got to think that's going to be – they're going to be one – they're going to do some I of that. I think that's like, a little bit of their game plan. They are not right? a team that's going to take, like, all these constant deep shots or do a seven-step drop. Uh, so they're they're going to try to – they're going to neutralize Michigan's pass rush try to play the short game, the one, two, three throw. So it's really going to be on Michigan's linebackers and defensive backs to wrap up and make the tackle. Right. I mean, cause this is the, the problem with these types of offenses is if, if you can get that, like they can go three and out like 30 seconds, you know, if you can, if you tackle wrap up and tackle. So, you know, I, cause it's hard to fathom Purdue's going to run the ball effectively. Uh, Right. I mean, I just, I guess that is that a pretty going to run the ball. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and so I, you know, and, I, and we're probably not going to see them run it often on first down given that. So, you know, I think for Michigan, it's really going to come down to, and it, to be fair, that's been a strength. Another strength of Michigan's defense all year is the tackling. We've talked about it a few times. Uh, so I think, you know, yeah, I think that a little bit more pressure on the defensive backs this week, not just to play well in coverage, but, to, to wrap up as quickly as possible because they're going to complete some passes. I mean, it's, it's, it's their bread and butter. It's, that's how they're, they operate. Um, you know, I don't anticipate like they're going to get guys that are going to get completions. It's just a matter of not letting them get past the first tackler, not letting them get in the open type thing. Yeah. I think the big thing is just limit those big pass plays. I th- I think they're, they're going to probably do a decent amount of high percentage pass attempts uh, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage or or just ahead of the line of scrimmage. For context, they have attempted more screen passes, at least O'Connell has, than they have passes 20 yards or more downfield. So I still think they're capable of those big plays, but I think this is much more of a keep the ball moving, keep the ball moving forward five yards here, eight yards there. You know, it's kind of funny. Like there were there are games this season where they, they start out, you know, maybe 50-50 run pass. And then when the run doesn't work, they just stop running. I mean, some of these some of these games they have been able to to effectively run, but um, ninety eight total rushing yards against Indiana, uh, eighty seven against Iowa, thirteen against Maryland, and and really the only Big Ten teams that they have run for more than one hundred and fifty yards against are Minnesota back in October, and then Nebraska, who I I think does not have a particularly stout run defense. So I, I think the big thing is just containing the pass game, containing, you know, as you mentioned, Jones, I think knowing what Michigan's defense is good and bad at, I do think this is an important game for Michigan to show growth and how it can defend playmaking tight ends. Because if we're talking about the playoffs, they're going to face other pretty darn good tight ends. So I think how they do against Payne Durham, because he only has 550 yards, but by tight end standards, that's that's quite a bit. So quietly, you know, they're thinking about the linebackers, whether that's the safeties. Still think Makari Page could be a, a tight end eraser, you know, with being six foot four, being able to move as quickly as he is. So that will be another thing that I'll be watching kind of in the first quarter to see, okay, is Michigan ready for this game defensively? Because before we get into our over-unders and our final prediction, I I did want to ask you this, Steve. I think the fans are kind of viewing this game as a foregone conclusion that Michigan would win. And I think even more so than last year, because last year they had this 17-year Big Ten title drought. They already had a loss. They couldn't lose a second time to Iowa. This year, it feels like Michigan can afford to lose and still have all of its goals ahead of it. Is there any concern with you about a potential letdown or sluggish start or Michigan not being able to get up for this game? Michigan has said all the right things in terms of moving on, bouncing back, but then you also have the Mozzie Smith news that came out this morning. You have the Blake Corum news that came out this afternoon. I guess my uh, trap game meter, as weird as it sounds in a Big Ten championship game, it's it's above zero, right? I, I'm not quite sure where it is, but it's it's something I'm keeping an eye on, and I feel like that would show more on defense, uh, particularly in the trenches, than it might on offense. Steve, 
Where do you sit with that potential letdown opportunity that Michigan's facing? Uh, pretty low. I, if if Purdue was if the, if if how they were effective was structured a little bit differently, then I might feel like I don't know, like maybe like a minute, like a team like Minnesota, you know, sort of maybe the Illinois blueprint, like a team that can run the ball effectively, doesn't make a ton of mistakes in the passing game. You know, I, I just I think Michigan matches up pretty well with Purdue in this one. Uh, that's the biggest reason. I do think there's one little thing. Uh, Purdue has played in a lot of close games. Now they haven't won all of them, obviously, but um, that's always something where if this game is close at halftime, let's say, maybe the type of team you don't want to keep confident heading into the locker room. But otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I just – it's hard to see Michigan not coming out. They're playing for, like I said, this. I think the seeding here in the playoffs is is really, really important. You know, I, I don't, I do not think you want to play Georgia in. Where's the what's? I know the two threes in Arizona. Where's the one four? I think the location is a little bit dependent on what is teams it? are playing. And so, but if if Georgia's the one seed, it's going to be in Atlanta. Right. So that's, you don't want, yeah. So point being, you know, and that's what I was, that's where I was, what I was getting at. Cause I thought that's what it was. Uh, you don't want to play Georgia and Atlanta, you know? So, I mean, to me, Michigan's playing to avoid that because I think regardless of like, say Purdue was to pull off the upset. Uh, I think Michigan ends up at four. I don't know. I guess there's a lot that could happen with T- TCU and USC, but I mean, there's a decent chance Michigan ends up at four in that scenario. And so I think you're, if you're Michigan, you're playing, you have every intention of wanting to avoid that matchup. So I, I, I don't think they come out, you know, uh, trap game. Uh, it's always kind of interesting. I, I think the Illinois thing just turned out to be that Illinois was, was pretty good. And Michigan. Purdue did, did beat well. Illinois the week prior for what it's worth. Yeah. Whatever. Um, big 10 West. So, <laughs> uh, you know, but no, I, I, I guess, for me, it's my my trap game meter, I guess, is really low. Uh, if Purdue was to pull off the upset, I don't think it's because Michigan is overlooking them, if that makes sense. I think it'd be Michigan makes some mistakes. Purdue, like I said, Purdue hit some big plays. The game's close after like two and a half, three quarters. And, you know, I don't know. If, maybe people might disagree with that logic there. Like if, if that if they lose, they had to have been overlooking them. But I guess I don't necessarily believe that's the case. Yeah, I think the one thing is kind of like the factor Iowa was supposed to bring to the table last year is I think if they if they come out like hitting really hard, stopping Michigan's run game, because they did hold Illinois to, what, 108 rushing yards? 102 rushing yards on 3.1 yards per carry. Like this is a game where Michigan's going to have to probably throw the ball if they, if they want to win by, if they want to match the spread and i.e. I. play two expectations i do think they're gonna have to throw the ball kind of like they did last week so i think it, in that sense it was valuable for michigan to kind of have to throw the ball last week because i think i think michigan becomes a more well-rounded offense knowing that it has some of those big deeper pass plays in its back pocket we got our defensive over-unders now purdue throws the ball 58 percent of the time and that's that's pretty much in line with what they've done all season i'm gonna take the over on Purdue throwing 58% of the time. One, I, I suspect that they'll be trailing. I would assume they throw the ball more if and when they are losing in a game. Uh, but two, I think Michigan's just going to really shut down this rushing attack. Boilermakers, not a intimidating ground game, not Illinois. I would argue not even Ohio State, who did have some success early, right? But ultimately abandoned the run game. Uh, because Michigan was shutting it down. And I suspect something similar will happen here. And Purdue, very comfortable throwing on first down, too. I think it's about 50-50 uh, throwing the ball on first down. That's In some ways, that's going to be a test Michigan's not necessarily used to. Is is you know A lot of Big Ten teams kind of run the ball first to set the tone, figure out how many yards they need, and, and, and then go from there. Purdue, very comfortable throwing from the jump. Factoring in, I think Purdue will be losing, and I think Michigan's run defense is going to make it unpleasant for Purdue to run the ball. I am going to take the over on this over-under. Steve, how about you? 58% 
pass play percentage for Purdue. Yep. I think that's their best bet to success is to throw the ball, right? I mean, we already talked about their that their rushing offense is I don't mediocre statistically, correct? And uh yeah, I'd be very surprised if that number I mean if I'd say that I mean I guess I guess if that if that number's under then is Purdue more in the game than what we anticipate maybe, right? I mean, got to think if that number is under, that means they're running the ball with some some kind of success. Yeah, enough that right? they're going to try again. Yeah, like, so yeah. I, I just, I have a hard time seeing them with as successful as Michigan has been in stopping the run. I think we talked about, you know, Ohio State had some success early last week, but then Michigan really kind of just put the clamps down like they have on pretty much everybody else this year. Um, I'll go with the over. All right. Next one, 89.5 receiving yards from Charlie Jones. So Jones, I just looked up his game log. He's coming off a 143 yard performance, but the two prior uh, at Illinois, 66 receiving yards against Northwestern 46. Now I think the caveat there is those were probably bad weather games. If I'm remembering correctly, November 12th, November 19th, Days where the Midwest had had some pretty subpar weather. Before that, 104 yards against Iowa, 105 against Wisconsin, 132 against Nebraska. He's been really effective every game this season. I'm tempted to take the over. It's a very high over-under for receiving yards, especially against Michigan. I think his efficiency, he has 97 catches on 139 targets. You know That says to me that, that a lot of teams know that he's about to get the ball. And he's still very effective. Great hands. Uh, pretty good at contested catches. He has 20 this season. I think Michigan has a pretty – it kind of plays into to the secondary's hands in terms of his skill set. I mean, these are receivers that Michigan has had success against. But I think I'm going to take the over just from the usage and the opportunity. I mean, if he gets like one 40-yard or 30-yard reception, you know, next thing you know, he's – knocking on the door of 90. I might change it when I do the written version of this story, but I, I think I'm going to take the over 89.5 receiving yards for Charlie Jones. How about you? Uh, I'm going to go with the under. Not by much. I, this is one of those, if it was like 79 and a half, I don't know. I just, uh, he's my, I'm curious. Cause like I said, we didn't get a chance to watch much Purdue this year, but uh, he's either had a huge game or he's, been a non-factor statistically I'm kind of wondering if it's a situation where teams put a lot of focus on him created opportunities for other guys type deal uh, but either way uh, I'm going to go with the under and again I think he could I think he'll probably end up somewhere about like 70 75 yards something like that but uh, yeah 89 and a half's pretty pretty high um, so I'm going to go with the under all right last over under Longest play given up by Michigan's defense, 44.5 yards. So Purdue, I mentioned they're not a huge deep ball passing game, but they do have guys who can make plays after the catch. Uh, They are aggressive. I mean, you're talking about one missed tackle or broken play or blown coverage here and there. I mean, even Iowa had a felt like it had a couple of those, not just this season, but last season too. And they're not a, not a good offense at all. Steve, do, does Purdue get one offensive play of at least 45 yards? These ones are always kind of weird. I'll do I'll I'll say over. I think maybe they hit a big play at some point in the game. Really, I, there's really, I, I don't know what to discuss about it. Uh, I just, I'm, I'll say over. I think maybe at some point in the game, maybe they hit a big play. I'm going to take the under. I think Michigan is going to conduct a game plan that limits the big play. I think, you know, thinking about the dynamics of this game, is there anything Purdue would like more in those first two drives than to get a big play? I mean, you almost want to play like a a no big play defense and and really keep your safeties back just to make sure that Purdue doesn't try to go for a, a big momentum changing play early and put Michigan on its heels. Plus, not to mention, I just looked it up, Purdue only has seven scrimmage plays of 40 yards or more this season so not something that they do every game and I don't know exactly how many of those are against comparable defenses to Michigan so I'm gonna take the under Steve 
final thoughts on this game and your prediction for Saturday? No real deep thoughts. This is a game Michigan should win. I expect them to win. I do think one thing we talked about earlier, it was important. Yeah, controlled environment. I think that opens up the possibility of Michigan will be able to throw the ball more effectively. I'm going to say Michigan 41, Purdue 20. Michigan okay. locks up, they lock up the second spot and take on TCU. Okay. I I feel similarly. I, I mean, you know, Purdue, I'm aware that they're kind of not on a on a big roll, but you know, they did start the season one and two. Season could have easily fallen off the rails. It didn't. They stuck it out. They scored some big wins over the other good teams in the Big Ten West. But at the same time, you know, I, I got a peek a little bit of, of Purdue, Indiana last week. They are not taking care of business against Indiana the way everyone in the Big Ten East seemingly took care of business against Indiana, at least at least Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. So, um, so yes, I, I think Michigan's going to win. I, I agree with you that the potential is there for Michigan's pass game to maybe do things that it hasn't been able to do since September, October. I'm not positive that it's going to, I I can't sit here and say they're going to throw for 300 yards or anything like that. Uh, I think this game has, has a chance to be kind of like what we saw a lot in October where Michigan wins, they control the game. There isn't really a doubt, but it doesn't necessarily look as eye popping. You know, I don't know if they crack the 40 point mark. I'm going to say, Michigan 34, Purdue 10. And as you mentioned, go into the college football playoff as a two seed. Really incredible, real quick, just like how quickly things have changed for Michigan where suddenly it's it's like this Big Ten championship's kind of like, you know, I've talked to a few fans who kind of like have a, yeah, let's get through it. It's like, man, you know, there was a long time where I think Michigan fans would have killed, like even if it was against Purdue to, to have this this kind of game. So, you know, players seem really excited about it, though. I think they understand. It's one of their three goals. Beat Michigan State, check. Beat Ohio State, check. Win the Big Ten, win the national championship is, would, be the, would be the fourth goal. So this is on that list, and I think they understand that if you win a Big Ten title, no matter what happens in the playoff, they can't take the Big Ten title away. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out all of our stories and the stories for our entire staff over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. We'll have lots of live coverage from Indianapolis as well. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you after the game. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.